These are changing times for UK armoured vehicle manufacturers. With the recent multi-year commitment from the government and the looming integrated review, posing questions for industry as well as the end user. With me to provide their input on these issues and ongoing technology development programmes are Phil Applegarth, Director and Head of Supercat, who has built up 11 years of experience with the company after serving 23 years in the military, and Steve Austin, Supercat Engineering Director and Chief Engineer. Phil and Steve, welcome to the Weekly Defence Podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Um, we were hoping to see a publication of the integrated review by the UK government by now, but as you and the, the various listeners are doubtless aware, it's been delayed until early next year. But um, I'd like to start by asking you, Phil, and, and Steve, if he wants to join in as well, as representatives of the UK defence industry, what are your thoughts on where we stand with this uh, with this review? Uh, well, I, I think it's not surprising that the current in the current climate, um, the review was actually pushed back uh, several months. Uh, but I do think Boris's statement to the House really did sum it up. His, his statement uh, saying that we have to ensure this government doesn't continue to basically make cheese wedges or cut cheese wedges and pare down the armed forces anymore. Because one day we will wake up and we'll realise that the armed forces is not really a credible force. That said, clearly the pledge of £24 million over the next four years is very, very welcome. Um, we do feel it's predominantly, though, to fill in the current overspend and fill in the black hole created by all those continual delays on the large defence programmes. But that said, we do applaud, um, hopefully, the procurement agency, such as DNS, will find it a way themselves to hard code into spending the majority of the defence budget using UK industry and protecting this particular element. You know, I do really do personally have the confidence in, in the defence leadership to come up with a credible force uh, and within the budget uh, that Boris has announced. Um, they do have to avoid listening to all of the uh, opinions on, on Twitter and, and such like and select a course, get the right mix and get on with it. Because all of these delays do cost money, they damage industry's confidence significantly, and they send out messages that lead to confusion uh, and the, the inability to sort of invest in the future. I, I suppose I'd like to also mention that the, the pace of innovation is so alarming. You know, I remember over the last 11 years um, that I've been here, we've looked and planned out a future uh, and of where our development path is going. However, I know from a, from personally that um, we are far greater ability to um, change through our agility, uh, unlike something like DNS, who is a very large carrier and basically takes a long time to turn. Uh, and then I suppose what would I like to see um, in DNS? You know, I'd like to see them have significantly more levels of delegated authority, treat the money as if it was their own, uh, and get the product into the hands of the user. This would clearly then avoid the valley of death that everybody talks about. If they did that, then they can use the savings that, um, that they've made up by the speed of the delivery uh, and then reinvest that money back into the support programmes where they can plan in build upgrade points because if they continue to do these long delays, they won't keep up the technolo technological advantage, uh, advancements uh, throughout the, the procurement process. I think that's pretty much where I see this integrated review and 
and, and the issues that we we see in industry. I don't know if you want to add any more, Steve. Thanks, Phil. I think, um, you know, obviously, Ian's statement last month on additional funding um, in potential securities is, of course, very welcome, both at, a, at an international, national uh, and company level. Uh, and plays well into our role as an independently owned UK defence company and a, a trusted collaborative partner to the to, to the UK MOD and wider afield. So, you know, as a company, we've we've invested heavily um, in uh, innovation uh, and technolo technological advantages and the associated skill sets in our workforce over the last few years, particularly in electric propulsion and autonomous unmanned operation in in recent years. So it is really welcome to hear the government renewing its commitment. To investing in areas such as these, and, and and sincerely hope that, as Phil said, that that uh, that authority and delegation gets gets rolled down into the project teams, uh, so they can they can get on with delivering and, and be sort of free to do that. Thank you. I I wonder what you both think of um, the recent announcement by the EU that the, they've opened the door effectively for the UK to obtain a slice of. PESCO funding for European defence programmes. There was a fear with Brexit that perhaps that opportunity would be lost, but perhaps now it seems as though that has re-arisen. So um, Phil and, and, and Steve as well, if you want to join in, what are your thoughts on the potential benefits for the UK defence industry and Supercat in particular um, when it comes to potential European opportunities for collaboration in vehicle programmes? Thanks, Ben. Uh, firstly, I mean, the permanent structured cooperation, PESCO, as you refer to it, has it really truly opened its doors, um, being this side of the Brexit um, conundrum? Uh, so, one, firstly, I'd like to make sure that we are uh, able to uh, enter into PESCO and they truly have opened the doors to us. But from a super cat side, a company perspective, there are some interesting programmes in, in, in that uh, whole whole. Um, uh, PESCO uh, work, uh, you know, and given our our, uh, our experience on uh, amphibious fighting vehicles, light armoured vehicles, and all the work that we've previously done with the RNLI and the maritime project, I think we would love and welcome um, to be part of the PESCO um, slices as well, uh, if if we are truly allowed to. We're already supporting the armed forces of, of three EU or EEA um, uh, member nations, so. Um, and participating in procurement activities and a number of others uh, in the EU at the moment. So if PESCO is a way of enabling further collaboration in the areas Phil mentioned, then yeah, we're all for it and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll explore further what the announcement needs and, and what, that, what it means um, in, in reality. It's good news. Um, can I just turn to the um, work that Supercat uh, yourselves are, are, are doing and the specific technology programmes and trials that uh, you, you're conducting? I'll start with you, Steve. I mean, how important is it for military vehicles to, uh, you know, go green with a hybrid drive and electric drive? And, and what are the remaining hurdles to be cleared before we can see it for real and uh, on a routine basis? Yeah, that's, that's a really good question, Ben. So um, I think it, it, it's clear to us that electrification and hybridisation um, has definite operational benefits to offer, including uh, increased uh, flexible and mobile power generation, uh, vehicle performance, such as increased mobility uh, and reduced noise and thermal signatures for, for sort of stealthy operations. Um, 
as well as alongside uh, the commitment to deliver on commitments to carbon reduction. So I think the work in UK Defence and MOD is, is, is timely and important uh, to understand the key drivers and to be a market influencer in these areas rather than just responding to the legislative environment. And the last thing we would want to be for UK Defence is to, is to see a reducing um, market in order to sort of get future diesel propulsion systems into, into service. So I think it's important that we understand the, the, the sort of pros and cons and the, the nuances behind electrification as part of this process. Um, so defence is very definitely in a, still in a learning phase here. Um, for example, the TD6 programme that we're, we're, uh, we're involved in, we're participating in with Hybrid Jackal, is really all about understanding the benefits of hybrid propulsion uh, in operation and how the associated lines of development in defence uh, require further iteration prior to its introduction into service. So for TD6, for example, we're, we're using high TRL um, electric driveline compo components. So we're kind of learning with a kit that already has uh, sort of manageable levels of technical and timeline risk going from here to deployment into service. Um, and the associated lines of development beyond the purely technical. So we're kind of working with, with components that have a sort of finite amount of time before they can go into, into service. So we're not um, sort of pipe dreams here. It's, it's sort of reality coming, coming to service. What would you say are the principal lessons that you've, that you've learned so far as a result of the uh, testing uh, the hybrid electric, electric drive on Jackal? Sure. So, so for Electric Jackal, it, it, it is still early stages um, from, from uh, contract award, which is back in the summer. Um, so, but we've accomplished a lot in a short space of time then. Um, the design work is pretty much complete uh, with the critical design review uh, successfully completed. Uh, the chassis modifications are completed and um, new driveline components are starting to be fitted um, ahead of our partner in this MagTech coming to, to sort of fit and commission the final components that they've designed and built for the programme. Um, if you were out in the workshop at the moment, you'd see a hive of socially distant, uh, socially distanced activity around the vehicle. So the lessons learned so far have been limited, but they absolutely include the fact that we've confirmed that Jackland Coyote vehicle architecture as is, is well suited to the conversion to electrified driveline uh, and confirming that the internally funded studies we've already undertaken previously on, on the ATMP programme um, have, have, have been borne out. But I think the real lessons on the, the hybrid jackal program really start when the vehicles out under testing uh, in quarter one 2021, um, really to prove out the performance predictions uh, are good and confirm the capabilities uh, and what it can bring to, to operational service, um, including an understanding the scope for future optimization of the driveline. And um, obviously you're working uh, as well on, on uh, something with Exeter University, Phil, uh, on developing an off-road electric and optionally manned autonomous version of the all-terrain mobility platform, which uh, seems a, an especially intriguing project. Again, uh, uh, it's fairly early days um, in this program, but uh, what it has Supercat learned so far from this collaboration with Exeter? Well, I mean, it is an exciting collaboration with Exeter. And I think in this case, I probably refer it back to Steve because he, he does all of the, the knowledge transfer partnership, the detail, the devil's behind the detail. And Steve has all of that. So I, I'm not going to embarrass myself. I'm going to hand that back to Steve. If, if that's okay. so ben, what, what we were talking about previously about Supercat um, uh, um, investing um, in this technology and the skills, capabilities of the uh, capabilities of the of the company, uh, that was really um, to ensure that we were ready 
for uh, an operational hybridization program. So we, under, we, we took part in a, or we, we joined a, a, a KTP with the University of Exeter, partly funded by Innovate UK to bring skills and expertise into the company around hybrid and electric drive lines. So the ATMP has actually worked incredibly well uh, in trials to date and has met or exceeded our expectations in terms of speed and mobility. Uh, and it's good as, if not better, um, sort of slope climbing and, and um, uh, across country mobility than the original ATMP programme. So the KTP1 on um, hybridisation has been completed and that's, that's fed into the hybrid jackal programme. The second KTP is actually quite a long way in as well. It completes in February of next year. Uh, and that's about uh, bringing optional manning uh, into that capability on ATMP. Uh, and all of these building blocks are actually already there on the vehicle. So, for example, um, the terrain and vehicle response during under unmanned operations is in there. Um, Vision-based navigation for coll collision avoidance uh, and object recognition and response. Motor control is there, and that was on the, the hybrid vehicle as well. And we're now in the process of... Um, slowly but surely kind of increasing the amount of unmanned operation uh, through trials validation. So as the safety case allows, sort of taking away the, the crutches of manned operation to, to make it a sort of truly unmanned uh, or optionally manned uh, vehicle. And this absolutely is very important to us to make sure that we've got an open system architecture on the vehicle as well. So that it becomes part of a wider system of systems in, sort of in, in the autonomous vehicle space. So it's 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 really exciting times. Um, right in the middle of trials at the moment, and sort of ready really to feed into um, the MOD's project Theseus program, uh, for which we just responded very positively to the uh, RFI that's just been been out and about ahead of sort of down selection for trials and development cycles later on next year. I wonder, Phil, um, if you could uh, just give your perspective on on based on the, the work that Supercat has been doing and, and, and uh, looking at the industry as a whole, the defence sector as a whole, how well is the defence industry applying AI and machine learning on land warfare platforms? And what do you think are the missing piece or pieces of this uh, particular jigsaw? That's a very good question, Ben. Uh, and uh, not, with, not, with sound, uh, not wanting to sound like a broken record, but uh, as Steve is all over AI as well. Um, so the, the broken, the broken, um, or the missing pieces of the jigsaw are definitely answered uh, better by Steve. Um, he, he is the the engineer in the room. Very well, back to you, then, Steve. Thanks, Ben. So I think um, I, I think an interesting question. I can really only speak from our own experience in that AI and machine learning is all is already becoming well embedded, both in terms of the process of and the output of our designs. So whether that's from improving structural and dynamic performance of our vehicles, for example, our, our most recent enhancement to the HMT suspension systems, and through to the object recognition and, and response in our intelligent control system fitted to ATMP. Uh, so AI is, is already there and, and being used. And the next iteration of our vehicles, um, along with sort of in, in supportability enhancements for the current deployed HMT fleets, We'll, we'll absolutely be able to draw on the benefits of, of AI uh, through the use of digital twinning. So um, I think what's missing, I, I really, I guess, is, is is at what point does legislation and sort of the moral aspects of using AI, uh, where does that come into place? And, and as a as a small uh, small SME, uh, there's only a certain part that we can play in, in bringing those things to bear. So we, we can do what we can do in terms of capabilities there. 
it's much more about the, the wider use and the sort of moral aspects of it. And uh, I understand that you're working with uh, another company, NP Aerospace, to deliver, deliver certain capability improvements. And can you just update us on, on, on progress in, in this matter? Yeah, so um, we have a really great relationship with uh, MP Aerospace. Um, and together we're sort of collaborating on a, a sort of top-down uh, as well as bottom-up improvements uh, throughout the platform. So, you know, and working working with, uh, with a good company that we've had a historic relationship with um, uh, as, as we built the SPV400 uh, with them. It is really about providing the innovation uh, back to the to the military as well. I don't know if you want to add any more, Steve, on on that relationship, but uh, or, or certainly the, the PDS tasks that we're, we're doing. Yeah, I think the two allows the top down and bottom up approach. So some of the requirements um, uh, are, have been stipulated by the UK MOD. For example, um, there's a forthcoming deployment um, of troops to Mali. And there's a requirement through that to, to enhance comms capability, uh, to give a, 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 an enhanced um, self-recovery capability on the vehicles, uh, and also sort of theatre-specific mobility enhancements. And they will come through as uh, tasks to improve that we do in conjunction and through MP. But also that allows us uh, where we have seen specific innovations uh, ourselves or where units themselves have come up with innovations or ideas for improvements that we can feed uh, back up through an innovation report into uh, into the MOD to then hopefully turn some of those into into PDS tasks to bring them about. So it's it's a, it's a relationship that works well and will hopefully continue to work well into the future. And just to add on to that, Ben, you know we have been working very closely with the Armoured Trials Development Unit and and uh, the Combat Service Support uh, Trials Development Unit as well. The the work that we do with our interaction there, th these are. What we're talking about is the, the top down and the bottom up, um, and, and joining the two things together. Let's let's say that there's there's quite a lot of activity in the post design service space or innovative designs going onto the platform. Um, we've been speaking a lot about uh, programs with the UK MOD, but obviously with Brexit um, high on the economic priorities of the UK uh, and needing to trade after Brexit and build up a strong export base, um, there's a, a lot of momentum and emphasis on building uh, building that up in the defence industry as well. Um, could you summarise, Phil, what Supercat is doing on this front? I mean, I know that uh, HMT Extender Mark II is uh, joining the Canadian next generation fighting vehicle tests, for instance, but uh, perhaps you can shed light on some other activities. Yeah, thank, thanks, Ben. Um, yeah, you, so you, most of your um, listeners will be aware that um, we, we do a lot of exports uh, globally, uh, specifically in the, uh, the Special Forces uh, arena. I would like to add um, and, and plug, really, the, the DIT, DSE the, um, guys. Over the last few years in particular, they have been very, very supportive in helping us with, our, uh, with the UK's prosperity agenda uh, and uh, helping us find local industry partners uh, and, and, and introducing us to various authorities and, and the, the defence attaches, the military attaches have absolutely been superb over the last few years in particular. Um, so a, a fair plug for the, for the effort that they're doing uh, there. 
Um, we have engaged, you mentioned the Canadian programme. It, it is quite a, a long drawn out programme. Uh, we're into sort of a 12, 13 month RFI stage again. Um, we, we submitted several of those. But, and we also, last year, we, we carried out a load of demonstrations actually uh, in, in Canada with the vehicle. We're hoping that this programme will, will, will move quickly along this RFI stage and, and be accelerated to help the Canadians um, kickstart the economy because of COVID-19. So that there is a chance that the, the programme could be speeded up. But uh, and we are looking to participate in the in, uh, new Next Generation Fighting Vehicle programme. Lots of other stuff is happening globally, uh, and the biggest one we've been currently working with is, is the German requirement. Up to 80 um, Jackal-type vehicles uh, going into, into their special forces. Uh, one final question. We're getting towards a time of year now and end of the year, looking forward to 2021. Uh, I imagine we're all glad to put 2020 behind us, uh, primarily because of COVID. But uh, as you both look ahead to, to next year, what's your prim primary um, objective and, and uh, how, do you, how do you hope to achieve it? Looking forward into 2021, um, clearly the German procurement programme is, is one of those at the top of the list. The BAFO, the best and final offer went in um, last uh, this week uh, and we look forward to a, an early contract award uh, and a, a very speedy delivery programme for those vehicles. So that that is clearly uh, at the top of the, the the list for 2021. But there are other other programmes and opportunities to look forward to. Uh, and I do really do anticipate further improvements to the current global fleets, uh, and look forward in particularly working with MP Aerospace and the authority to increase capability for the guys on operations, particularly in Mali, the Brit, and other areas of uh, wider defence engagement. And, and I think really. Um, getting a, a vaccine programme underway for COVID will help us return to some form of normality within the defence sector. Do you want to add anything, Steve? I, th I think um, the expectation is that the, when the integrated uh, review comes out in February, that it'll, it'll um, have flesh to uh, Prime Minister's um, statement uh, last month. Um, so with that in mind, um, beyond the production programs and in-service support programs Phil spoke about successfully also um, includes completing the optionally manned ATMP program uh, which creates the, the technology demonstration feed into uh, next year's AWE and also the, the, the kickoff of uh, Project Theseus which we, you know, is, is, a, is a key program for us and also we'll see the, the, the phasing in of uh, an introduction of an intelligent control system to say future optional manning on on HMT, so Jackal and Coyote as well. So as and when uh, the British Army is, is key to move, is ready to move there, then we're ready to move with them. So that, uh, and finally, I think the uh, being part of a successful follow-on to the hybrid Jackal uh, programme, which is underway at the moment. Thank you very much, Steve, and thank you very much, Phil. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Ben.